and to be able to go from one part to the next to the next just felt like a point of differentiation that nobody else had. And rather than try to be all things to all people, we thought that that would get people looking at Utah, get Utah on the map. And once they were interested in the Mighty Five and went to our website or other websites, they would see all the other amazing things to do around the state. Welcome once again, everybody, to the Destination Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Stoker, and have a great episode in store for you today. Uh, I'm excited to have our guest. Uh, A few months ago, we had Caitlin Eskelson from the Utah Tourism Industry Association on, and she talked a little bit about the Mighty Five campaign that the state of Utah uh, did uh, for a few years, and it turned out to be a wildly successful campaign. And after talking to her, I thought, I thought, man, I want to just go a little bit deeper on this campaign. So I reached out to the state of Utah and my friend Dave Williams agreed to join the podcast uh, and talk a little bit about that campaign. So Dave, I'm really glad to have you on today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, we have a, we have a question that we just kind of ask everybody to break the ice and get started. Uh, and I'll ask you the same thing. You know, this is a, a travel and destination marketing podcast. So we're going to talk a little bit about travel. Tell me what your dream destination is. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Well, of course, I would have to say Utah first, right? But I would love to go all over South America. I did a church mission in Colombia and Ecuador, and I'd love to go back there and also go down and see Machu Picchu and Peru and would love to eventually get over to Brazil. So I'd like to go all over South America. Yeah, you know, I spent two years in Brazil, and I got to say, if that's not on your list, you have to add it because it's a pretty amazing place. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Okay, South America. Tell me, as far as places you've been other than Utah, uh, <laughs> what's what's your favorite place you've been? Uh, I would probably say Hawaii. I just I had a great time when I was there. Which island did you go to? I was just on Oahu, but I enjoyed it a lot. So, but there's a lot of places around the world I haven't been yet. Tell me about Hawaii a little bit. Tell me a few of the things that you did there that made it made it somewhere that you love. Definitely love being on Waikiki Beach. But I can't just sit there on the beach all the time. I have to get up and move around. Um, we went to a, kind of a more in-depth experience at Pearl Harbor than just the standard least expensive tour. Some people there enabled me to do that. And uh, I found that fascinating. We went to the North Shore, went to the Dole Plantation. I mean, all the typical tourist things there. But yeah, it, it was just an amazing trip. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. You know, I actually was planning on going to Hawaii for the first time this year, and we ended up getting pregnant and, ha- and having a baby next month. And so we were going to go in November. That's that's when we were planning on heading out there. So it kind of put a damper on our ability to get to Hawaii this year, but I'm hoping next year we'll, we'll get our first time out there. Ah, good for you. I recommend it. Awesome. Well, Dave, tell me a little bit about you and you know how you ended up in the role that you're in and, and what you do now at the state. Okay. Well, uh, I grew up in Bountiful, went to Bountiful High, uh, went to the University of Utah, got my bachelor's in marketing. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) We did well a few weeks ago, I'll just remind you. Um, I deserve that. (laughs) Also, For those of you that don't know, for those of you that don't know, the University of Utah and BYU played... I'm a BYU fan. Utah won for the ninth time in a row to the point where it's not even fun anymore to watch the game if you're a BYU fan. So that's what Dave's referring to when he says he did good a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm not complaining. But uh, 
I also went right from, after getting my bachelor's degree, I went right into the MBA program at the University of Utah. So I got my MBA and uh, was hired by the Gallup organization, which is known for the Gallup poll. Yep. They do a lot of management consulting. Their headquarters is in Princeton, New Jersey, but really a family from Nebraska acquired the company, the president, the CEO, the chairman, were all in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we picked up a move to Nebraska and worked there for three years. I actually enjoyed it more than we ever would have guessed. I made a lot of good friends there. And then uh, moved back to Utah to work for iOmega, which uh, was a high-tech company. Back in the day, they produced zip drives. Okay. And then that was a billion-dollar company that was located in Roy, Utah. They were a big company at the time, so I worked there. They had changes in the hierarchy of the company and the chairman of the company fired the CEO, brought in a new CEO and said they were going to move the headquarters of the company to San Diego. And then they laid off 1,200 people right before uh, 9-11 hit. Oh, man. And so I, I was in that layoff, basically our whole, I was a product manager at iOmega. Basically, we all got laid off and the economy was already in recession. Then 9-11 hit and the recession was worse. And uh, I was running into all my iOmega buddies at every job interview. <laughs> and eventually got hired by a colleague from iOmega. Got hired to work at Ultradent, which is a dental products company in South Georgia. Yeah. I also did some sales for a company called iTransact, which was a company that was one of the first companies that had internet payment gateways, so the ability to buy things with a credit card online. And then I heard about a position with the Utah Travel Council, which is now the Utah Office of Tourism, and I actually started with the Travel Council as the research coordinator. I have gradually worked my way up till now I'm the associate managing director. Yeah, I see that you've had a variety of roles there at the Office of Tourism. Yeah, it's been, uh, I never would have dreamt I would have been here this long, but uh, promoting the state of Utah is great. And while I, I started out as the market research guy, I uh, always had my eye on the marketing job, wanted to oversee the marketing campaigns and was able to move into that role in 2007. It's been a lot of fun. I can't imagine promoting other states in the country. I really enjoy being able to promote Utah. And and so you've been you've been in the marketing related role for about twelve years now. Then and right. during that time, how have you seen marketing in general evolve and kind of your role evolve over that time? Well, I'd say that a, a lot of things have evolved in marketing in general and here at the Office of Tourism. Just looking at marketing in general, uh, technology has changed everything. The ability to target people at the household level in a way we never have before, be able to track people and what their interests are online and be able to retarget. And you know, now we're to the point where we can tell if people have actually seen our ads and uh, then actually visited the state. Years ago, we were doing more of a mass marketing approach where we do television buys on national cable television or we do spot market buys, but we were just blasting out to everybody and now we have addressable TV and connected TV, and we can, in addition to all of the digital marketing, other parts of digital marketing, so we can be much more of a rifle approach than a shotgun approach. And uh, so the technology's changed it a lot. For our office, it's also changed. When I started at the office in September of 2003, so about a year and a half after the Olympics, we hosted the Olympics, we had a 
marketing budget of $900,000, and that's what Vail, Colorado was spending to promote the city of Vail for three months in the summer. Oh, wow. And uh, I was able to be involved in uh, the creation of the Tourism Marketing Performance Fund, which was a funding mechanism that enabled our marketing funds to grow as we worked with the industry to grow sales tax revenue for tourism-related items. That fund's been able to grow to the point that now, this past year, the Tourism Marketing Performance Fund had $25 million. And 10% of that goes straight to the Utah Sports Commission to attract sporting events to the state, but leaving us with $22.5 million. And that's a huge difference from $900,000. Got to imagine that that's a little bit of a game changer. It's been an amazing (laughs) ride to see the change in our office and in the tourism industry in Utah overall. So this isn't exactly where I had anticipated us going in this conversation, but I want to I want to ask you a follow-up question on that. So you went from having, you know, $900,000 to attempt to market nationwide and in some cases even worldwide. Uh and then once you got this initiative passed, your budget multiplied significantly. What were the initial challenges that came along with that sudden infusion of cash? Well, we were it, we started out at they started us out at ten million dollars. We wouldn't have had that funding without the efforts of Nan Anderson and the Utah back then it was called the Utah Tourism Industry Coalition. Now it's called you know you said you interviewed Caitlin at the Utah Tourism Industry Association. They always fight or put forth the best arguments with the legislature for us to get get our funding, which we really appreciate. We were basically starting from scratch. I mean, we commissioned an image study towards the end of 2005 that and they said, we have good news and we have bad news. And the, the good news was that people overall didn't really have a negative image of Utah, but the bad news was they had no image of Utah whatsoever. We just, you know, even a few years after hosting the Olympics, we, we weren't on anybody's radar. Yeah. And so we had to create a new brand. That's when the Life Elevated brand was developed. And what year was that? That It was launched in April of 2006. And at that time, Lee Vonderesh was the director of the office, and Mike Deaver was the deputy director. And uh, they played huge roles in that. Um, also, uh, we had a new board. The, the previous board for the office, I think it was a nine-member board, and there was only one person on the entire board that was really from the tourism industry. And the legislation that created the Tourism Marketing Performance Fund also created a new board, the Board of Tourism Development, which has 13 members, and it has geographic and industry representation on the board. And the board formed committees. We had a cooperative marketing committee because by law, 20% of the money in that fund goes to a co-op marketing program that we had to develop from scratch. Uh, We also, the board created a marketing committee, which, and the board approves uh, our out-of-state marketing plan. And our role is really to promote Utah for out-of-state visitors to come into the state, bring new money into the state. And so uh, trying to decide how to divide up that money and how to most effectively spend it uh, the board and the staff spent hours and hours working through that. So it was really exciting because we were kind of reinventing the whole office uh, just because now we had some money to do more uh, initiatives with. But it was, you know, those we were creating everything from scratch, basically. And we spent a lot of time looking at what how other states did it. 
and then trying to uh, develop programs that we thought would be most effective for Utah. And yeah, we worked you know, with a I've lot of partners to do that too. A lot of our DMO partners around the state were involved in giving input into those programs. So Dave, as you as you got that infusion of new budget, I imagine that the kind of accountability that comes along with that was was a little bit heavy. And so you you probably realized, hey, we've got to get more sophisticated really fast to make sure that we're spending this money as responsibly as possible. What steps did you take to do that? Well, the, the legislation that created the funding required that we report it to the legislature annually on the effectiveness of our advertising. So we uh, issued an RFP, a request for proposal, and uh, hired a firm called Strategic Marketing and Research, Inc. Now it's called Strategic Marketing and Research Insights. Uh, they're a firm out of Indiana, a research firm that's used by a lot of other states to measure advertising effectiveness. and so. When we would do a major campaign, uh, they would do a survey in the markets where our ads were running, and they would do two waves of surveys. First, they'd ask people if they um, had seen the ad. So they'd measure awareness. Were people aware of the ads, and were the ads communicating the message that we wanted communicated? And then after the season had ended, they would go back and do another survey to find out if people had actually visited and they would extrapolate that out based on uh, the population. They'd be able to tell us an estimate for uh, how much uh, revenue the campaign generated in traveler spending and uh, and what the return on investment was for tax revenue. And that that sounds like a pretty manual process at the time. I'm assuming the process is much more automated. You're probably using like an Adara or an an Arrivalist now? We do. We still use that process, but we um, we also definitely use Adara and Arrivalist. All of those things have just enhanced our ability to, to measure ourselves. And uh, Vicky Varela, our managing director right now, has challenged us to become the best measured uh, state tourism office in the country. So we've worked hard to take advantage of technology to be able to do that. But there's still questions. We There's still things we get out of the the strategic marketing and research at effectiveness study that uh, Adara and Arrivalist aren't able to tell us. So uh, combining all these studies together gives us gives us our best picture that we've ever had of how we're doing so far. Makes sense. Okay. Well, let's fast forward a few years. You come out with the Mighty Five campaign. How did that campaign come about? And what was it like to release a campaign that, that was so recognized? Um, great question. We, uh, our ad agency has been struck for quite a while, and uh, we had been in our advertising. We'd been showing Utah's scenery. I mean, we felt our scenery is what set us apart, and so we we had definitely showed national parks in all of our advertising starting from 2006 onward. But we'd done a lot of ads that were kind of funny. We had some humor, but we felt like we were getting a little bit away from the Life Elevated brand and wanted to focus on the fact that people could have these amazing, uplifting experiences uh, when they came to Utah. And our our contract with the ad agency was up. It was time to write a new proposal. And uh, we challenged anyone who responded with a proposal to uh, explain to us how they would do a campaign for our uh, 
our three season or our warm weather marketing. I mean, we often do a, we, every year we do a uh, winter and ski related campaign as well, but we, in the RFP, we challenged them to do a three season or warm weather campaign that built on the Utah Life Elevated brand that was emotional, where we weren't just going for humor, but we want people to feel emotion and something that would set us apart from other states because you know, we had gotten ourselves on the map as far as saying, look, Utah's here, we have beautiful scenery and wonderful outdoor recreation, but every Western state has beautiful scenery and amazing outdoor recreation, every single yep. one. And so we challenged in the RFP, we challenged these ad agencies to come up with, uh, what can we show that's unique that will set us apart from everybody else? And you know, it's a ton of work for these ad agencies to respond to those requests for proposal. And I always feel a little bit bad about how much time I know they have to spend on them, but these are huge contracts and we need to know that we're going to uh, make a good decision. Right. And they came in with a lot of good proposals from the different ad agencies, but the, the one from struck was their proposal was the mighty five campaign. Okay. And, uh, we had the members of our marketing committee from our board were on the selection committee for the RFP process. And there was concern. I mean, one board member said, you're basically looking at doing a campaign that only promotes parts of Utah uh, south of I-70. And what about the other two thirds of the state? And is this really a smart thing to do? Yep. And there was a lot of discussion among the committee, a lot of discussion among our staff about would that be the right decision? But we felt that the, the national parks were gems that were so close together. Other states, you know, California has a ton of national parks too, but they're not so close together. And to be able to go from one park to the next to the next just felt like a point of differentiation that nobody else had. And rather than try to be all things to all people, we thought that that would get people looking at Utah, get Utah on the map. And once they, once they were interested in the Mighty Five and went to our website or other websites, they would see all the other amazing things to do around the state. So we made the decision to uh, go for it and, and uh, go ahead and put that ad together. And so work with the ad agency as they showed us, you know, what the plan was for filming the spot. Uh, spent a lot of time reviewing different aspects of the ad with them. And, uh, and uh, the ad was prepared. And uh, during all of this, we went through a transition from uh, Lee Von Der Esch had been the director of the office. Um, and then uh, uh, Vicki Varela was named director of the office. And this was in the midst of us preparing the campaign and, and getting it ready to launch. And so uh, Vicki came on board and uh, embraced the campaign and added her additional idea, you know, ideas for uh, launching it. Uh, you know, the, the ad was, um, the ad concept, the ad had basically been shot uh, just before Vicki came on board, but she embraced it. You know, we enhanced it with a lot of different items with uh, our digital marketing. We had a lot of display ads. Um, the ad agency had suggested wallscapes in some of our key uh, target markets. So, you know, whole building length uh, wraps around buildings uh, promoting the Mighty Five. And so it was a big awesome. launch and uh, it was really successful. Well, so let's, let's, it, it obviously turned out to be a good idea. 
uh, when it was all said and done, right? You guys had some major, major success for the state of Utah as a result. Would you mind talking a little bit about that success and then also some of the recognition that came along with that campaign? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely the ad effectiveness results said that it was, it was the results of the campaign were far and away the highest results that we had had in our office. Um, you know, we'd gotten this in, influx of cash starting in fiscal year 2006 is when we were able to really start doing our our first ad campaigns and the Mighty Five launched in 2013. And over that time, we, we had far and away the best results as far as the ad effectiveness research showed. Um, the ad was named uh, the best integrated campaign by the National Council of State Tourism Directors. And we received a Mercury Award um, from that organization. Also the, the TV spot by itself was named the best broadcast TV ad by the National Council of State Tourism Directors. And wow. Then, uh, the campaign also got a platinum award from Hospitality Sales and Marketing International. That's called an Adrian Award. We got a platinum Adrian Award for that. So uh, we got all of the highest accolades that our tourism industry passes out. Um, but just the media attention we got from the campaign uh, the social media response was good and uh, just it, it was led to a big jump in our in our spending and our tax revenue that were generated. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's talk numbers. Uh, when we're talking about improvement in the transient room tax revenue that you, that you generated, what kind of success did you see? Was it, was it double digits? Was it, what, what was the, the measurement that you used to decide, yes, we crushed it with this campaign? Um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but my recollection is it was double digit percent increase. And um, basically anyone that saw that, I mean, we go over to the legislature and, and show the ad and they just loved it. It didn't matter yeah. what part of the state they were from um, because we're all Utahns and we all know those are, those are gems in the state. And while there's, there's great things to promote throughout the state, uh, I don't think anyone could see that campaign and not feel proud of uh, what we were doing to promote the state overall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, that was the hook. We would say that was the hook to introduce people to the state. And then through our other, our website and our social and our various effort, we are uh, trying to introduce people to the other great parts of the state that we have too. Well, and, and tell me about that. How did the, how was the performance for the, the areas of the state that didn't necessarily have a national park, like say you went to County or, uh, you know, Logan, Utah, or even Salt Lake? Well, I mean, I know, I know some of our DMO partners felt they were getting left out. And, uh, once a year up here at the legislature, we do the, you know, UTIA puts on Utah Tourism Day on the Hill and all the DMO yeah, great partners event. come and, and, you know, we set up our booths in the rotunda and meet with legislators. It's a great event. And before we get into the rotunda, UTIA usually hosts a meeting um, where we meet with all the partners and talk about uh, things that are going on for the legislative session. And uh, in that meeting, I was allowed to present the Mighty Five campaign. And uh, there was one DMO uh, marketing director that came up to me after in the rotunda and he wouldn't shake my hand because he was so 
<laughs> oh no. He was so upset. And he was kind of joking, but kind of not really joking, you know? And, and, and we just asked people to trust us. And uh, overall, I would say it, it's, it raised the tide for, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. I think it did that for basically the entire state. We have the Utah Tourism Conference and sometime after the Mighty Five had been running for a year or two, uh, we brought in Roger Brooks, who's a consultant that works with uh, cities and towns to help them improve his destinations. Yep. And we brought him as a speaker. We hadn't, we asked him to talk about, you know, wayfinding signage and, and uh, how to make cities uh, and towns more friendly to tourists and develop the infrastructure people need to be able to host tourists. We hadn't mentioned the Mighty Five to him and he got up in his speech and he said, uh, he and his wife were planning to do a road trip and they were gonna come down through Utah, spend about two year, days in Utah, and then spend most of their trip at the Grand Canyon and they saw the Mighty Five ad and it completely changed their trip. And he said they stopped in Logan and they stopped in Ogden and they stopped in at a Station Park in Davis County and they stopped in Salt Lake and they went up to Park City and they stopped in Provo and they ended up spending three or four days in Utah instead of a day and a half or two days um, because they wanted to go down and road trip through the state. And they ended up spending twice as much time in Utah as they did in Arizona. Yeah, and so and I think people probably thought we paid him to come down and say that, but we <laughs> we had no idea if that was what <laughs> he was going to say. But it was a, it was a great endorsement for what we attempted to achieve. Um, certainly, we've tried to expand, and under Vicky's leadership, uh, we've set aside a significant amount of money that we do for year-round digital advertising of all different parts of the state. Uh, we're setting aside a significant amount of money to promote urban Utah and uh, certainly the Wasatch Front, the urban part of the state, has the infrastructure, has the hotels, has capacity for more visitors. And so we've spent more time and money promoting uh, northern Utah. And uh, in 2017, uh, under Vicki's leadership, the Red Emerald initiative was launched and Vicki uh, introduced that at the tourism conference in 2017, introduced that to the industry. And the point of that is uh, less focus on just the quantity of visitors, but we're trying to get the high quality visitors that come have unique, amazing trips in Utah. The Red Emerald is a gem that's only found in Utah. And just like it's this amazing, unique gem, we want people to come here to have incredible and unique experiences where they really uh, experience something new and explore. And so we're trying to get people that will come and uh, stay and really explore Utah. And so it's not just promoting the Mighty Five Parks, but it's promoting all the things around the parks and uh, promoting north to south and every which part of the state. And uh, that's what we're focused on is trying to get these quality visitors that will come explore and uh, continue to spend a lot of money. Great, great. And let, let's talk about moving on from the, the Mighty Five campaign. Uh, I know that you launched the Road to Mighty campaign. Is that the current campaign Correct. that you have running? Uh, it's not running right now. What we have running right now we call is our Between campaign. But we ran the Mighty Five for three years, from 2013 through 2015. And in 2016, 
you know, it was a challenge as we're going, okay, what do we, what do, we do next? And uh, the Road to Mighty concept that uh, Struck helped us develop um, was basically saying, I mean, we know people are going to come and see the national parks. And we've done, even recently, we've done a lot of qualitative interview uh, research where we know people are going to visit the, the parks. But the goal is to be able to help them to expand and also see the national monuments and the historic sites and the state parks and the scenic byways and the, all the great activities to do in urban Utah. And, uh, and so we ran the Road to Mighty campaign. Um, we did that from 2016 through 2018. And then last year, we called our Between campaign. And uh, basically, it talks to the, the, about the amazing things that there are to visit and amazing things to see and do uh, between the national parks. And so okay. uh, we're trying to spread that visitation around. And we've def definitely seen an increase in state park visitation. Um, some of our state parks, I think you could put up against national parks. If you go to a, a Snow Canyon or Dead Horse Point or Goblin Valley, uh, and our national monuments are incredible too. And now we have, uh, I think we have the most accredited dark sky parks in the entire country. Uh, most of the, the, the national parks and most of the monuments are all accredited parks for dark skies. And we have the state parks are doing that as well. And so there's so much to uh, promote or trying to help people uh, understand that. So it's not just show up to the not just show up to Zion for three hours and try to hike Angel's Landing and, and move on, but trying to get people yeah. to really explore. Great. Great. Well, I, I want to talk about kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about a couple of other things before we, before we run out of time. But I want to talk a little bit about the state of Utah has some unique programs uh, that as, as I've gotten out and I've interacted with some other states, uh, some of their programs aren't necessarily as sophisticated or maybe as regional friendly as what I think Utah has put together. Uh, and so I'd love it if you talk a little bit about maybe the, for example, the co-op program that I know has been really valuable for the rural areas of the state and the regional portions of the state, uh, along with, uh, I know that you used to have the cafeteria plan, but I know you have uh, like the, the brand USA uh, projects that go out of, out of country uh, and some of the educational programs that you guys put on as a state uh, tourism board. Okay. Well, I th as I mentioned earlier, the legislation that provides the funding for the Tourism Marketing Performance Fund requires that 20% of that uh, money go towards the cooperative marketing program. And so the first program that we developed, we called the Traditional Cooperative Marketing Program. And what that does is it allows uh, DMOs, uh, cities, counties uh, can apply for matching funds to promote their destination or their event to out-of-state visitors. And it's a matching program, so if, if they request $50,000 from our office and they're awarded that money, they also have to spend $50,000 of their own money towards the same project all for out-of-state marketing. So it becomes a, a $100,000 promotion. And uh, we developed the program so that it should work for both large and small entities. Also, nonprofit entities can apply for this money. And so, 
uh, people can apply from $1,000 in matching funds all the way up to $275,000 in matching funds. Okay. And uh, the nice thing about the program is they come to us saying, here's what we want to promote. We want to promote our county or our city and or this event. And here's where we're going to, uh, here's our target market. We're going to reach them through digital or print or however people want to do it. And uh, we have a committee on our board that reviews each application. Uh, we usually get more applications than we're able to fund. And it's, we usually get anywhere between probably 45 to 60 applications. And the committee on our board reviews each one against a set uh, criteria. There's an application that they all have to fill out. Uh, they also interview the applicants and the committee scores them and takes that recommendation to the full board and then the board votes. Uh, to award funding and so that's allowed a lot of flexibility where you might have a smaller entity that just needs some funding to try to get their website going better or uh, a large entity like a Visit Salt Lake that would use it to promote the city uh, and everything in between. Yeah, you know, Dave, I think that's such a great program. Uh, I've talked to several destinations across the country, and I tell them about the co-op program that the state of Utah has. And I say, you know, does your state provide the same kind of matching funds or, or anything like that? And the responses in several cases has been, I wish our state would do something like that. And I'm not going to out the states that, that don't have those programs here here on the podcast. But I, I know that that's a fairly unique thing. There, there's other states that do it. Uh, but I think it's a huge value to the different regions within the state and nonprofit businesses within the state to to promote the state uh, uh, outside of Utah. And uh, I just think that's a really cool program that helps every part of the state. Yeah, I've seen other states that have co-op programs. They don't usually allow that level of flexibility. And I know it's you know I know it's not easy because we require the applicants to try to project what they think their results are going to be and then they have to track they have to track the results of their efforts and and we pay them part of the money up front but we don't pay them the balance of the money until they turn in a final report sharing their results with us and so uh, the legislature likes it because there's accountability tied to the program uh, and I know it's been hard for the the DMO partners to try to project what those results would be. And we've tried to assist them with that. But uh, the program's worked out well because it provides a lot of, of flexibility to the DMOs. And I have to say, uh, I don't, uh, I sit with the marketing committee. Uh, Kelly Day manages our co-op marketing program and she and I score the applications requesting $10,000 or less and then the co-op committee from our board scores all the other applications. And so uh, Kelly and I sit there and help them tally the scores, but we're not the ones that are judging. And it's yeah. really amazing to sit there and hear people come in and present what they're doing. And there's, there's amazing projects and things being promoted all over the state. And every time I come away from those co-op marketing interviews, just really energized and enthusiastic because there's so much good work being done by our DMO partners. And it really is a team effort. The, the marketing performance fund grew because the industry as a whole grew the revenue. It wasn't just our office by ourselves. And so uh, to me, that's been one of the funnest things to see overall is how the industry 
has come together. Uh, all different parts of the state to work together to promote the state as a whole. It's been really good. So good. that's the traditional marketing program. Then we have our cafeteria program where we have, we call it cafeteria because there's basically just like having a cafeteria menu of food items. We have a menu of some marketing projects that people can do. A lot of those have been in conjunction with Brand USA. Um, in the past, we've had some for uh, developing content and uh, that program continues to evolve. It, it was getting pretty complicated for a while and we've tried to scale it back and uh, simplify it, but it's still there. Uh, you can go to travel.utah.gov and uh, click on uh, uh, partner marketing opportunities and, and there you can get all the information about both the cafeteria co-op and the traditional uh, program. Great. And uh, I should add that a new part of the cafeteria program is going to be uh, centered around destination development. We've done some destination development things in the past, but we're working with uh, two pilot counties right now. We're working with Carbon County and Beaver County, uh, where we've got uh, different consultants lined up that are helping them uh, figure out uh, what they have to promote, how to brand themselves, uh, try to put together an action plan for how they can uh, actually uh, improve their destinations, you know, what they can do from an infrastructure standpoint. And currently we don't have money to give out for infrastructure, but um, we have a whole uh, destination development program that we're working on with these pilot counties. And we're getting close to the point of being able to launch that uh, to all of the counties that want to uh, get some assistance with destination development. Yeah, Dave, that sounds like a great initiative. You know, as the tourism numbers continue to increase here in the state of Utah, infrastructure and destination development, I think, becomes more and more of a priority. And I love that you guys are getting ahead of it and, and launching that program. Uh, I, I want to, we, we probably, we're kind of running out of time here. So I just want to ask you one more question and then we'll probably wrap up. Uh, it, most of our listeners are destination marketers, but for a local or regional destination, uh -huh. right? Uh, and, and so think, for example, you mentioned Carbon County and Beaver County. Uh, I think those would be similar to the, to the types of destinations that are listening to our podcast. A question that I, I want to ask you is how can these regional destinations do a better job of working with and gaining support from the state Convention and Visitors Bureau to make sure that, that they're working together effectively? Well, I mean, I, for these types of counties, that's kind of what the Destination Development Program is in mind for because uh, some of them lack the resources or they just need to get some things in place so that they can be better prepared as a tourism destination. And you can't just start doing huge multi-million you know, dollar campaigns. If you don't have the infrastructure in place, you gotta have a place for people to stay. You've gotta have uh, you know, restaurants. You've gotta have things for them to do after five o'clock at night when they come off the trail or whatever outdoor recreation activity they're doing. And uh, careful planning is important and we're trying to help them with that. Uh, so we're trying to help these counties create their own plans with their own stakeholders to develop their destination the way they want it to be. And we're not trying to tell them what to do. 
I would say I want everybody to understand that uh, we're trying the best we can to try and promote all over the state. And uh, some, you know, there's times in the past where our office has sent out to, uh, you know, all the DMO partners will say, tell us your top five things that you want us to promote. And as we work with our PR firm and uh, do our different initiatives, it would really help us to know what are the top five things you want us to be talking about. And sometimes we get a good response from a lot of counties and sometimes we don't hear from any counties. And then it feels like sometimes those are the counties that are frustrated that we're not doing as much to promote their area. And so uh, we're trying to reach out and uh, we just appreciate it if everybody can uh, be as responsive as they can. And if you have suggestions for us, let us know. I mean, we wanna have an ongoing dialogue uh, with all our partners. We try to get our staff around the state uh, as much as we can, but if, if if you have questions or concerns or ideas for us, I would just say please pick up the phone or send us an email and, and communicate with us because uh, we'd love to hear from you. And you know, if you ask me what I've enjoyed about being with the state tourism office for 16 years, the most rewarding part of it for me is the friendships all over the state, and we really do. Of value the work that our DMO partners are doing and that to me that's the funnest part of the job is getting to know people in different areas of Utah so please don't yeah I just tell the DMOs please uh, continue to work with us and give us your suggestions ideas and know that uh, we don't have unlimited staff or unlimited resources but we're doing the best we can and we want their feedback and we want their ideas yeah, you know, I think that's a good point, though, because communication and relationship building can get you a really long way in in trying to partner and garner support from an entity like the State Tourism Board. So uh, I, I love your comments there. Well, I, if I could, can I just add one more point to that? Is uh, Absolutely. Uh, our managing director, Vicki Varela, is leading us on a strategic planning process right now. And as part of that process, we had sent out um, electronic surveys to stakeholders all over the state. And uh, we actually got a really good response. And we, we also did some uh, verbal interviews with some stakeholders. We couldn't obviously, you know, we got over 300 or nearly 400 responses to the electronic survey. And we couldn't do verbal interviews with everybody. But um, the response was really good from our standpoint, and we really appreciate that people were willing to take the time and uh, give us their input as we try to continue to develop our strategic plan and, and try to improve as an office. So like I said before, it really is a, a team effort with all of our DMO partners and our other our private sector partners throughout the, the state. So we, we appreciate everybody's support. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. It's been great to have you on the on the podcast today. I think we've gotten a lot of valuable information. So, so thank you, Adam. I appreciate on. what you and Relic are doing to do these podcasts and give people a way to hear what's going on all over Utah. All right. Well, everybody, a couple reminders for you before we go. First of all, uh, we have a LinkedIn group called Destination Marketers, and we're getting new people joining every day. I encourage you to go request access. Uh, that's where we're going to be, you know, for example, Jim Bartu, who we had on last week with the Nashville Zoo, that's where he and I were able to connect and, and arrange for him to be on the podcast. 
uh, as, as a guest and talking about zoos and how important they are to a destination and how a destination can better interact. That all came from our Destination Marketers LinkedIn group. Uh, so I encourage you all to join. We're going to post articles and more and more learnings that we that we find together as destination marketers and continue to grow and develop. The other thing I want to remind everybody is that reviews are critical to any podcast. And if you're enjoying what you've been listening to and the numbers say that you're either enjoying it or you're just powering through it for some reason, I hope I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, but leave us a review, uh, help us with that five-star rating, and we can continue to climb up the findability charts, which isn't a real thing, but I think you know what I mean. So thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been another great episode of the Destination Marketing Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.